Welcome to the Skill Stack Podcast, a podcast with one aim in mind to bring you the best ideas, tactics, and information to help you grow your confidence, your value, and your bank balance with every epic. Here is your host, author, public speaker, and world record holder, Ray McLennan. Hi, everyone. This is Ray McLennan, and welcome to the Skill Stack Podcast. I am the creator of theskillstack.com and your host, and I'm here in the Skillstack studio with another episode to help show and grow your skills, which help you raise your value to yourself, your business, and your family. This episode is, oh, it's a big one. It's a good one. Lots of emails about this, lots of questions about this, lots of Facebook messages and so on. And it's about how to sleep better and wake up fresher. Now, if you're driving this or you're unable to take notes, then uh, don't worry because you'll be able to get the important information or the checklists in the show notes below. So without any further ado, here we go. Now, sleep. Well, sleep is not the, the issue. The biggest stressor of all is probably fear, fear of something. And there's a, uh, you probably know the Canadian motivational teacher, Brian Tracy. He says that fear, F-E-A-R, stands for false expectations appearing real. And he recognised that fear is all in the mind, that whatever you fear, you will exist in your imagination as an outcome or an expectation, which is so intense, so compelling that it actually can seem real. And, you know, the process of the expectation and processing these expectations through the brain will actually trigger the stress response. And the nearer the false expectation seems to be, then the stronger the stress symptoms will be. And we spoke about stress in an earlier podcast episode. Now, the truth is that these fears, majority of fears, only exist in the mind. I think it was Montaigne, the great French philosopher, that said, um, most of my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which has never happened. But that's, that's not the point. It appears real. That's the words. It appears real. Now, these fears only exist in the mind, and people do construct their own views and feelings about various outcomes from their own life, from their own experience, and from their own attitudes. And the more the negative outcome is played through the brain, the more the person worries, the more this then triggers the stress response, and the more likely the person is to experience negative results. And the thing about fear is it can block success, can block happiness, can block achievement. And it can lead to regrets over this and regrets over that. It can hide your talents and skills. It will produce criticism and causes loads of people to do nothing except watch their life skip by. And you don't want that because constant worry, as you know, um, you know, I know people that are constant worriers and it causes major challenges to anybody that's engaged in it. And I'm sure, you know, it has a major impact on on the the well-being of the, the country, the planet. Now, There's another uh, famous guy called Emile Couet, Frenchman, who found that by instructing his clients to repeat the mantra, every day and in every way I'm getting better and better. As they took their medicine, they automatically recovered better. So what must then be the impact on somebody's system when worry is constant? You know, if it can can make you better, then uh, it it can make you sad and and ill as well. So um, anyway, so... If the solution, sorry, if the problem is in the mind, then the solution is in the mind. So, got lots of uh, lots of clients that I talk to and speak about this. But when I first started doing this, was about 
four or five years ago. Now, when I say this, it's basically talking about sleep, talking about who is affected by sleep. Uh, I was running a um, two-day course over a weekend, and on the Saturday, lots of people were staying in, in the ho- nearby, in the hotels nearby and where the, the event was held. And uh, nearly a thousand people went through these courses. And what I would do on the Saturday night is, we'd, you know, we'd teach during the day and it would be all about raising money and it would be all about skills and it'd be all about making yourself better and, and, and so on. But I would always ask the question, or I started asking the question, who here has a problem with sleep? Now, a few people would say they did and uh, lots of people didn't. They kept their hand out. So I would rephrase the question and say, okay, who here in the room, and there might be 50, 60 people in the room, who here in the room knows of anyone who has sleep problems? And most hands went up. And I said, okay, so would you like to learn very quickly a way of putting this into action and we can test it tonight and then tomorrow morning you can come back and we'll we'll share the results? And yeah, everybody said, yeah, absolutely, let, let's do it. So what I'm going to go through now is basically what I went through with them. And I'll tell you the results sort of later on at the end. But anyway, um. If it's in the mind, then fear is in the mind, then the solution is in the mind. And I suppose this is the skill stack, and I'm talking about skills that you can learn. And falling asleep and learning to have good sleep is a skill like any other. Now, I have children, and my two youngest uh, have recently been wearing sleep monitors. One of them wears a Fitbit, and the other one has a phone which can monitor their sleep. And I've been testing this out on them recently, and the results are nothing short of spectacular. In other words, they have good quality sleep. They they go into a deep sleep quicker. They stay in deep sleep longer, which is where all the good stuff happens. Now, my kids are 10 and 12, and I have been doing this with them most of their lives. I mean, I have um, recordings of my, my son when he was only two and just just sort of learning to speak and string words together. And I was teaching him then how to how to fall asleep and the techniques to use. So it's pretty second nature to them now, very easy to them now, but it's a skill I wanted them to have through their life. And my daughter, who's now 12, she is now going on to the sort of next phase of this because there's a couple of sections to it. But I didn't want to burden them with too much when they were young, just wanted to make it nice and simple. But now that she's getting a little bit older, then she can learn a bit more, uh, some more techniques. Now, where did this all come from? Where did I get all this? How did I manage to discover this? Well, it was probably, oh gosh, about 20 years ago, easily 20 years ago. Um, And I used to have uh, problems sleeping. I mean, I never went to bed before something like 2 a.m. And then I might be up at 6 or 7 a.m., but I'd be exhausted. Um, And I'd get off to the business of the day, and then the cycle would repeat itself. I just couldn't really get to sleep at night. Um, my head would be spinning. I'd have a pen and paper beside my bed and so on. Um, and it just became a real issue. Then I was going on holiday and I was browsing in the uh, bookstore of uh, Gatwick Airport, I think it was. And I found a book there and the book was called um, Mind Store, The Ultimate Mental Fitness Program by Jack Black. You know, Jack Black is a Scottish guy. Uh, if you don't know of him, then I encourage you to look up uh, him online. The company's called Mindstore, mindstore.com. And he usually um, does three sort of major events to about a thousand people each time. Tickets are not expensive. You know, they're about a, about £100, $150. 
And uh, it's usually held in April and May in London and in Dublin and in Glasgow. And it's called Mindstore and uh, the ultimate the, the, the ultimate mental fitness program. And guy from Glasgow, great Scottish accent. So if you like hearing Scottish accents, he's a good one as well. Um, but he had the book and in the book there was a whole section called The Sleeping Quarters. Now, it's called The Sleeping Quarters because the Ultimate Mental Fitness Program involves you relaxing and constructing a house in your mind. And in order to get to sleep, you construct a room in that house, which is a bedroom, and you furnish it any way you like. But the central theme of that bedroom must be a huge, comfortable bed. Um, so I learned that. I started putting it into practice. And after a while, um, I was falling asleep, you know, sort of 10.30 at night uh, at will and then waking up without an alarm clock. Uh, so what I'm going to do now is go through that process. Now, uh, this is not one of these um, podcasts where you're going to have to you know, stop and not listen while you're driving because I'm not going to do it uh, like an exercise. I will do a bonus section. And in the bonus section, it will be me talking through the process. So it'll be something that you can listen to. There'll be no music at the beginning, no music at the end. It'll be something that you can listen to and you can benefit from and you can fall asleep to my dulcet tones if you wish. But this is not the episode for that. Well, what are we going to do through this episode is essentially talk through it. So uh, have the course. And at the course, a lot of people put their hands up. So realize that uh, some people have no challenges whatsoever getting sleep. Some people just simply put their head on the pillow and they're gone. And they claim to sleep soundly and awake and fresh and ready for the next day. But um, however you sleep, uh, I think you will get benefit from this approach. And... Uh, we'll, we'll call it the mind store approach. Yeah, because that's where I got it from. So all credit to the guy that developed this. Um, so on average, we spend something like 30% of our lives in sleep. And, you know, we understand it provides rest and relief from the day and it replenishes your energy for the next day. And, um, you know, for many, it's, it's, it's long provided people with solutions and ideas um, you know, the great religious books of the world, the Bible, are full of the importance of great ideas, visions, and voices experienced in sleep. And our history is, you know, full of outstanding scientists, leaders who used their time, you know, sleep time wisely. Um, and, and it's something that's always kind of fascinated me. And it, it seemed to make sense that during the day, our left logical reasoning brain has dominance and it's the dominant one and it usually corresponds to uh, different frequencies in the head so that would correspond to uh, what's called beta frequencies and in alpha uh, sorry in alpha was the next one so you've got beta alpha theta and delta now beta waves are 14 to 30 30 hertz and that is awake mental activity so if you were to look at a, a line drawn it would be a, a, a very jaggedy, sharp, close together peaks and troughs. And then when you're awake and resting, your brain goes into alpha, which is 8 to 13 hertz. And therefore, that's, you know, there's a lot more gap between the peaks and troughs. Then when you're sleeping, it goes into theta, which is 4 to 7. And that then looks, well, there's much more gaps there. And then when, it go, when you go into deep sleep, that's delta, that's less than 3.5 hertz. And that is just sort of a wavy line like waves in the, in the sea. And at night, um, when we're asleep, so during the day when we're awake, it's our logical reasoning left side of the brain. And then at night while we're asleep, our right brain seems to take over and um, it's expressed in dreams. And 
so there's there's a, an increase in what's called alpha and theta, and uh, I'm looking at the chart here, alpha and theta. Yeah, uh, so there's an increase in alpha, theta, and even delta brainwave activity. So many people, you know, they take their sleep for granted. It's part of life, so they just get on with it. And of course, you know, enjoy it for what it is. And other times people find sleep a nuisance and they'd rather not bother, but, you know, of course they have to. So um, however short a time, they, you know, you sleep, you, you, you want to get the maximum benefit that you can because it's, it helps you physically, psychologically, for your health and well-being, and, you know, not to forget or, uh, and and to remember the role that it plays in creativity and problem solving. You'll have heard the expression to sleep on it. It's a powerful little phrase, but it plays a big role in the, in the development of, um, of the world. So it's sensible to make more use of your sleep, first of all, by improving the quality and then developing the use of your mind whilst you're asleep. So in MindStore, what they taught uh, taught us to do was to to create a room and in that room in the house you would have uh, tools that you can use there to bring about personal development during the night whilst you sleep so he suggested creating a sleeping quarter a room that you can use to sleep soundly and develop your cre creativity now the expectation of this room is that it will take uh, uh, to provide you with a deep, relaxing, replenishing, replenishing sleep. And as you wake up, naturally, you'll be full of the joys of life and ready with positive expectations, you know, for the day ahead. So in your mind, when you're constructing this room, and it can be in a house that you construct, you know, don't don't have it on a main busy street. Try and make it in a, in a sort of countryside area because countryside, green trees, all that sort of thing relaxes you down. But the mental architecture of this room would include a warm and comfortable uh, bed. And it can the, the, the room and the house itself can be decorated to your own preference. But what you want to do on one of the walls is to have a giant clock face set on one of the walls. But the main, main feature of the room is a very large and comfortable bed. So just to, to go through the whole process of it, the idea is here is that you would access this sleeping quarter, this room lasting at night, and you close your eyes and you take three deep breaths whilst relaxing with each exhalation. So just breathe in, breathe out. You then relax each part of your body and you then, uh, I suppose, sit on the end of the bed and look at the clock. Now, you sit at the end of the bed and you look at the clock and you're going to set the time for you to wake up. Now, the, the reason for doing this is because... Uh, a lot of people use alarm clocks, they use phones, that sort of thing to wake you up. And if you think about the brain waves and the activity of the brain, if you're in a deep sleep and suddenly you hear an alarm, I mean, look at the, look at the even the word alarm, you know, it's alarming. You're suddenly like an elevator, you're suddenly, you're in a lift and all of a sudden you you go from the ground floor and shoot right up to the fourth floor. You know, no wonder you're going to wake up and hit the snooze button because, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to create, I suppose, a series of self-inflicted shocks by waking and slamming on the snooze button and so on. So, uh, but one of the things that, that struck me about this whole exercise was that um, a lot of people wake up before an alarm goes off. Now, if you set an alarm, so if you set an alarm and you've got to be somewhere really, really early, you know, like five in the morning or something like that, and you set an alarm here and you set an alarm there and you get somebody else to come and wake you up, I suppose the question is, why is it you always wake up before the alarm goes off? Now, everybody's done it. Every single person has done it. So that suggests that you can do it. Now, 
on the exercise, when I talk to people about this and I say, okay, go off, go off back to your hotel rooms. And tonight when you go to sleep, I want you to take three deep breaths, relax from head to toe. And I would then want you to imagine yourself in this uh, wonderful bedroom that you've constructed with this massive, comfortable, warm bed and a clock on the wall facing you. Now, what I want you to do then is to is to imagine. So, if, if it's ten p.m. at night, then you and you want to wake up at six a.m. Then what you do is you imagine the clock hands moving round. So the large uh, hand would move round much quicker, obviously, than the than the hour hand, and uh, it, it will always well move round and then it stops at the time you want to wake up. Now you can play around with this. You don't have to have it on the hour or on the half hour. You can make it ten past. I have mine. Uh, set to wake me up anytime between 10 to 6 in the morning and 10 past 6. And even now, 20 years later, when I wake up at like 6.08, something like that, I just can't help but smile. You know, (laughs) this is ridiculous. It works. As Jack Black says, it only works. It absolutely works. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, maybe when you were a a kid, you might have um, believed that if you knock your head on your pillow seven times, then you'll wake up at 7 a.m., eight times for 8 a.m. and so on. Um, you know, I certainly remember having, remember doing something like that. But anyway, so you create this huge clock on the walls. It can be an analog face uh, or digital, but in order to impact your mind, it has to take up one complete wall. And you will use this to set the time in your head before you go to sleep. And the large, comfortable bed, you're going to use that to help you to fall asleep. And then you'll start to build an association between the idea of the comfortable bed and deep, relaxing sleep. That's the whole point to get the to get the association. Now, when I do this with my children, um, especially my daughter, I say, take three deep breaths. When she takes the second breath, she always has a massive yawn, absolutely massive yawn. And we giggle at it. You know, I'll, I'll be in the room with her and saying, right, take a deep breath and relax, take another deep breath. And she'll, and she'll yawn quite, you know, huge yawn. You know, it always makes me laugh. It makes her laugh as well. Even now, I've been doing it for such a long time. And even my son, same thing. I'll go from one room to the other, uh, relax one, talk them through the through it. Um, but I, I'm encouraging them to do it themselves, but they still, you know, like daddy to be there, read them a story and then talk them to sleep. So I'll go from my daughter's room because she she likes to fall asleep first. So I'll go from her room then into my son's room and do the same thing. And again, he takes you know a deep breath and then starts to yawn and stretch. And uh, I I, I kind of wondered, you know, are they are they getting the good quality sleep? So we tested it out. We got them. Uh, my daughter has a Fitbit and my son had a, a had a phone. And we tested the idea of their sleep and how much sleep they were getting. And it was good quality sleep. I mean, I've got screenshots. I'll, I'll, uh, well, I don't, I have screenshots here. I can't put them out in a podcast, but um, I, I do have screenshots of that. So we can see, um, you know, we can clearly see the good stuff that she's having. So sitting on the end of the bed, take three deep breaths, set the clock, fall back into the bed, then relax yourself from uh, head to toe. Relax yourself all the way down from head to toe. Now, the thing about this um, clock is you have to make your commitment to using the clock in your head. So remove any other form of alarm clock. Now, if you wake in the night, um, you know, then before returning to sleep, just imagine the clock again and set it as the time to wake up. Now, I do recommend that you do this. You don't use any other clocks because you will get used to this much quicker. So don't be thinking that you're going to, you know, you're going to forget to wake up or you've got, you know, got to get up to get the kids up or you've got to get up to get to work or you've got a train to catch or something like that. Trust in the process because it definitely does work. 
And the more you do this, the better you become at it, the easier it gets. And then you will literally get to the point where you take three deep breaths and you fall asleep. Now, I enjoy a great sleep every night. Um, and, uh, you know, even if I have to travel or I have to get a, 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 a plane or a train or an early, or an early, you know, an early train or an early plane, sometimes I have to get up at 4.30, 5.30 to, to get a flight or a train. But I never, ever use an alarm clock anymore because it always works and I enjoy a good night's sleep pretty much all the time. Now, if you think about it, waking up to an alarm means that the, the bell or the buzzer goes off at any time in your natural sleeping cycle. And if, if the responsibility for waking is passed to the subconscious, then we can only assume that you will wake naturally in tune with your body's rhythm in a perfectly natural and healthy way. And you certainly feel better for it. And you might even be surprised at just how well the, the technique works. So trust in the process. It does work. And your brain waves then will start to, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to shoot up from, from the, the ground floor uh, and, and shoot up to the fifth floor, you know, because your alarm goes off. You're going to go from deep sleep, which is delta. You're go, this is you. You're still asleep. You're going to go from deep sleep, which is delta. You're going to rise to theta. So your brain waves are starting to, to, to change. Then you're going to go into alpha, which is resting and awake. And then when you finally wake up, you're going to go back into beta, which is 14 to 30 hertz. So anyway, let's go back to this pathway to sleep and how you get to sleep. So once you've got the, the clock set and you've got into your large, comfortable bed and you concentrate on each part of your body, starting to studying at the scalp, working your way all the way down to, the, to your feet. Um, and as you concentrate uh, in each part, you can say to yourself, I am falling into a deep, deep sleep. I am falling into a deep, deep sleep. Now, if you say that four or five times and then move on to the next part of your body, you, you'll soon be asleep before you know it. Now, I quite literally get into bed, take three deep breaths and I'm gone. I don't even have to go through the process anymore. But if I wake up in the middle of the night and you know I'm thinking about something, then I can suddenly remember and go, right, okay, reset the clock and start to relax myself. And again, I'm, I'm usually gone. I, I can't even remember. I just wake up the next day. So, you will fall asleep and you'll wake up naturally on time. And like any technique, like any exercise, the more you practice it and make it your way of life, the better you'll become at it and the more it just automatically works. Now, I've got loads of testimonials about this. It does absolutely work. Um, and, uh, I, you know, you might find, well, you sleep better and you wake up earlier than usual. And if you do wake early, you might feel refreshed. But I strongly recommend that you do get up and get straight into your routine. I'm a great believer that there's, you know, many uh, loads of good things that you can do with that extra time. Now, for me, it's get up, it's exercise, it's drink uh, water, and then uh, get on to the, the the routine of the day. And I've spoken about routines in a different podcast. Now, the obvious thing for you to do if you're doing this is to get up and go for an early morning walk. You know, there's something absolutely great about morning air. And if you're up before the rest of the world, then you can appreciate the magic that is the morning. Apart from just the uh, the fresh air, you can get fully engage your senses, listen carefully. You can hear all the sounds of the birds, the wind, you know, whatever, wherever. If you happen to live in the country, you'll hear lots of sounds. If you happen to live in the city, you'll hear lots of sounds. And then there's a special light in the morning that will sharpen your sight. And then now morning skies, you know, often where we're looking at the looking at the ground and watching each step. If you look up, you'll see, you know, you'll see the skies, the clouds. If you're in the city, you'll see the architecture. You know, the country can give you um, wildlife, wildlife and birds and so on. Um, 
and and if you walk paying particular attention to your peripheral vision, it's amazing what you can notice. Now, a walk outside will help set you up for the day. It can be quite exciting for and help with a positive mind. And you know, a morning walk can provide a perfect environment for something like you know meditation when you get back. If you want to sit and relax and meditate, or if you don't want to go for that walk, sit up in bed read an inspirational book or listen to a podcast, something like that. Um, and now you have the ultimate in early morning uh, reading and an early morning routine, which is really going to set you up for the day. Now, again, you can get up and engage in uh, involved exercise, stretching, warming up and, and so on. That's what I do. And, uh, you know, there, there is tremendous benefits on health and well-being. And after a full sleep, there's no better way to start the day. Now, just to finish off here, um, we'll talk about, I suppose, creativity, um, because once you're asleep, we all dream. Of course, some people claim to be unable to remember them, but then it's clear to us now that we all do. And dreaming seems to be an important feature. Um, and to a large extent, we've resisted sort of scientific analysis, although some ideas have come from the likes of Freud and Jung. Dreams certainly seem to have a purpose and they're definitely interesting and entertaining. And therefore, surely they must have a meaning. So, it's accepted that when we sleep, there are regular periods of deep sleep followed by a state when the eyes seem to flicker beneath the eyelids, and that's known as rapid eye movement or REM. And it's known that we dream during REM sleep. Now, I've looked at my daughter's Fitbit and I see that she does uh, get a lot of REM sleep and does obviously dreams a lot. And I've asked her about it and she's like, oh yeah, oh, I did. Yes, but I've forgotten about it. And so I've asked her to try and try and remember so that when I wake her up, she can tell me what she was dreaming about. At the moment, it's it seems to be all about Spanish stuff because she's doing a Spanish exam. But anyway, um, so I, who, who was it? Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy. Uh, there's a few, well, there's quite a few famous people through the ages um, who've talked about the benefits of sleep. I mean, I'm Scottish and the Scottish writer Robert Louis Stevenson said to have encountered Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in a dream. Uh, even the American Abraham Lincoln um, president apparently dreamt about the assassination of a great president. Uh, a guy called Elias Howe, who invented the sewing machine, had worked for years on his invention, but couldn't come up with how to attach the thread to the needle. And then one night he dreamt he'd been captured by spear-toting demons who ordered him to complete his machine immediately or suffer death. And as they threatened him, he suddenly noticed their spears had a hole in the sharp end of the blade and he woke up and jumped out of bed, realising that he had found the solution. Um, and then there was, uh, who was the Greek philosopher who was in the bath? And he said, Eureka, I have found it. So when you slow your brain down and when you get into the, the, the different rhythms, you will become a lot more um, creative. So uh, let me just suppose finalize here by just saying, uh, summarizing, then I'll summarize with, uh, I suppose, seven points here. So your brain can only pr process one conscious thought at a time. So continue to use uh, positive self-talk when you're facing up to your fears. Remember, false evidence appearing real. Fear exists only in the mind. Learn to take action, step into what you fear and discover that it no longer exists. Number three is do away with your alarm clock and get to work with setting a separate type of clock. Let's call it an opportunity clock in your mind within your own sleeping quarters in your mind. Number four is use the pathway to sleep and ensure deep relaxing sleep each and every night. So the pathway to sleep, as I've explained, take three deep breaths, relax from head to toe. I am falling into a deep, deep sleep. 
Number five then would be take advantage of waking early, get up early, enjoy a walk, read a motivational book, listen to a motivational podcast, something like that, really get yourself up for the day and get into your routine. And number six then would be, uh, and I didn't really mention this in great detail, but keep a a book by your bedside for noting down ideas that can come from sleep or keep some form of recording device. And then number seven, if you can if you can remember your dreams and study them, then you might gain a deeper insight and harness much more of your creative capacity. So there we are. That is the pathway to sleep. Uh, and thank you for listening. I have been Ray McLennan. You can get more information in the show notes that will accompany this episode. And if you've got any questions, you want to ask me anything in this podcast, you can join the Skill Stack on Facebook or in Twitter at the Skill Stack. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or you can email me directly, info at theskillstack.com. And if you would like to discover the power of accelerated personal growth, you can sign up to the mindset training and strategy modules at theskillstack.com. So once again, thanks for listening. And I hope to talk to you again on the next episode, which is episode number 33, how to make quick changes. And remember, the greatest investment you'll ever make is investing in yourself. I've been Ray McLennan. This has been the Skillstack Podcast. Thank you once again for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.